This is Tech Dip Voice, a podcast from the Kroc Institute for Tech Diplomacy at Purdue. This podcast features former Assistant Secretary of State Manisha Singh. She is joined by Michael Beasley, Chief Technology Officer, SP Networking Cisco Systems at Cisco. In this episode, they will discuss the security concerns, technology cost and affordability, and Cisco's role in 6G. I'd like to welcome everyone to today's podcast. My name is Manisha Singh, and I am the co-chair of the 6G Strategy Group at the Kroc Institute for Tech Diplomacy at Purdue University. And we are thrilled to have with us here today one of our working group members, uh, Michael Beasley, who is the VP CTO of the Mass Scale Infrastructure Group at Cisco. We're thrilled to have him talk about what's gone on with 5G. Just now, consumers are getting familiar with 5G and what it means for our daily lives, what it means big picture. So he's going to tell us a little bit about where we've come and where we're going, especially with the evolution of 6G. And I know that we're all really excited to hear about what 6G will mean to transform our daily lives, what it will mean for national security, and what we should be looking out for on the eventual deployment of 6G technology. So Michael, thank you so much for being here with us today. I thought I would open and let you let you start with a few comments. So it's very interesting as I as I think about where we are on the on the 5G journey and how that leads into 6G and the evolutions that we'll see going forward. Certainly, you know, 5G has has uh, enjoyed quite the hype cycle over the last uh, several years and in in several more developed markets I would note it really is uh, achieving penetration on the consumer side we finally have you know a, a plethora of devices available on the on the consumer and smartphone side and many operators have got past initial deployments are well into their scaled out deployments on 5G with the initial main focus on consumer broad, broadband and, and mobile broadband uh, services. I would say of, of, of late, more recently, if I think about you know, Cisco's engagements, both with our service provider customers and, and others in the public space and in, in private enterprise space, over the last 12 months or 18 months, there's been a growing excitement with regard to how 5G services can really be applied to, to businesses, to enterprises, to IoT use cases, to defense use cases, and, and others where it is more a, a kind of private 5G enterprise-oriented focus as we see the technology facilitating the merging of the OT world and the IT world in, in many enterprises as they pursue their full digitization. So it's been a, a very uh, exciting and interesting journey, I would say, from a global point of view, we're still maybe in the early innings from a, a 5G perspective, which you know seems sometimes to me a little bit early to be talking about 6G, but I think given how long it takes to mature the technologies, how long it takes to get to technical consensus at a, on a global basis, and then the deployment cycles, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, an opportune time to be really thinking and focusing on the technologies that will will go into the 6G generation of our, our mobile infrastructure. The last thing, Manisha, I would add on, on, the, on what we see from a, a 5G perspective is that it's more than just 
the radio access network or the UE, many of our, our customers, many of our partners, a lot of what we observe in the industry is that as people are getting ready for 5G and the elevated levels of bandwidth, the reduced latency requirements, the, the you know, new use cases that will be enabled by the access part of the 5G technology stack, many of our customers, many of our partners have also taken the opportunity to focus on their transport networks, on their core networks, their backhaul networks, their backbone networks, to take that opportunity to really drive investment and drive innovation and, and upgraded technologies into that part of the network, such that the, the, the fiber-oriented piece of the infrastructure is commensurate with what we see being built out on the, on the RF and the RAN side, such that the end-to-end -end services can be delivered with the required quality of, of experience, with the required SLAs and at the required bandwidth levels, such that you get a balanced holistic solution from you know, end user, from the end machine, all the way through the network back to the, to the applications and to the data centers that deliver the actual cloud services that you know, both people as well as equipment and machines more going forward will actually consume. Michael, I couldn't agree with you more that now is the right time to start thinking about and talking about 6G. Um, I was working in the US government following the public policy developments around 5G when it occurred. And I think that there were some surprises. Like you said, there was a, a, a lot of um, you know, popular mention and a lot of hype around the deployment of 5G. And I think from my understanding, there were some problems you know, that weren't anticipated. I think there were some things that were surprises about 5G. And I'd like to think that when 6G is upon us, maybe we will have learned some lessons. So perhaps you can talk about some of the hiccups. For instance, one of the common ones that you could read about in the news was the air, airplanes and their altimeters and not factoring in the new bandwidth required by 5G and what that might do to airline equipment. You know, can you tell us a little bit more about that? And then also talk about when, as whereas companies like Cisco are thinking about 6G, what can we do to get ahead of those sorts of issues? Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, for the longest time, we've been allocating, you know, radio frequency spectrums for all kinds of use cases, whether, as you mentioned, altimeters on airplanes, um, you know, television broadcasting services, other, you know, uh, first responder network use cases, as well as actual, you know, mobile con connectivity and, and mobile, mobile networks. So the, the aspect of spectrum management, what frequencies are allocated and used by whom, how you reclaim those frequencies as, as different use cases and different needs ebb away and new needs come to, come to, uh, come to bear. It's a, very interesting and very complicated uh, aspect. I mean, the particular issue that you note had to do with older equipment on airplanes that didn't have sufficient narrowband filters with regard to the frequency the frequencies they were used to the point that frequencies adjacent to those frequencies had the possibility of, of interference. So I think, uh, you know, as, a, as an industry in, you know, both on the, the commercial equipment vendors, as well as the operators that deploy this technology along with, you know, obviously governments and, and regulators, we all need to continue to collaborate and continue to work together 
with regard to you know how best to use and how to safely use the available frequencies and the available spectrums because ultimately you know the RF spectrum is a is a finite resource and I, and I would say that you know I think it's one despite uh, some some challenges and and uh, exceptions I would observe that overall I think we've done a good job as an industry and and a good job from a global perspective with regard to driving to consensus and being able to manage uh, the RF spectrum. I think that that is one critical area as I, as I think about 6G is continuing to collaborate and drive global consensus with regard to what frequencies will be used for what purpose. And certainly as, as the bandwidth requirements continue to go up, you know, we can achieve, you know, more spectral efficiency. We can uh, obviously continue to drive technical innovation to be able to use the frequencies that we do have allocated ever more effectively to the point that you get, you know, better effective bandwidth. But that said, the requirements on bandwidth are continuing to go up to the point that, you know, new frequencies are going to have to be allocated and dedicated to serving those needs and those use cases to actually provide the bandwidth. So I think it is, you know, one of the key aspects as, as you know, from a Cisco perspective and certainly from, from my opinion as we go forward is to continue to drive the global consensus and the global conversation around what frequencies will be dedicated to what use cases to the point that we can have the most effective use of that limited spectrum and limited resource and that we don't end up in a highly fragmented uh, market from a global point of view. I think it, you know it, it's one of the hallmarks of the the internet that I, I think is incredibly positive over the last 30 years is that we have by and large managed to maintain a global consensus and I think that that's you know very very important going forward and certainly very pivotal as we look at the 6G generation of mobile technologies. That all makes sense. And especially, you know, we've studied the aspect of the, the finite bandwidth available. And it seems with 6G that it's going to be, you know, sort of faster, more efficient, and it's going to create more opportunities for even consumer technology use. So perhaps you can talk with us about the timeframes. You know, you mentioned that our conversation is is timely, that we need to, to get ahead of the information. But when can we expect to start seeing 6G? And when can we expect to see the real transformational changes that will come from 6G? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. I think, you know, part of, of the answer of that question is actually defining the very distinct phases of the technology. You've got you know, initial standardization, initial intent with regard to what the technology stack would be, what the prime use cases are. And I think that will happen over the next, you know, several years, uh, maybe in conjunction with, you know, limited trials and, and technological experimentation here and there to ratify and to explore the architectural choices, the designs and the, and the actual standardization. With regard to full and formal standardization, you know, that would probably take another another year or two after that. And then you'll see, I think, uh, you know, initial limited production deployments kind of coincident with that in some markets. Certainly, if we look at the, the 5G um, generation, um, we can see that obviously there's early adopters and early movers. And then, you know, depending on which part of the world you're talking about, you have, you know, countries and operators 
that move more aggressively to scaled out production deployment. And then you see other parts of the world, other countries, other operators lag just a little bit, whether that be driven by you know, local demand, availability of devices at the right price point, or just the, the actual bandwidth demands on their, on their infrastructure. So I, I think we, we will see the same uh, with regard to, uh, to 6G. So you you know maybe five to seven years from now you'll start to see that the early movers start actual uh, production deployments and and you know you might you might argue that we're a decade away from being in the in the middle of the you know global 6G kind of generation where 6G is available in most parts of the world where we're you know you you might argue we're a decade away from from that even though the work on the technical design, the standardization is ongoing today. Well, we certainly wish you and Cisco the best of luck in this next iteration of, of 6G technology. We'll be counting on you to, to make the world a more innovative place. As my final question, I'm going to ask you if you were speaking to a young man or a young woman who is in school and wants to become a tech entrepreneur, wants to work in technology. Uh, you know, our world is so tech focused now. What sort of advice, just broad general or even specific advice would you give this young man or young woman who says one day, I want to grow up to have a job like Michael Beasley? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Um, I, I would say the, the first thing I would say, Manisha, is that um, you need to continue to learn. You need to really dedicate yourself to to never stopping the the learning process and the and the learning journey, and to really you know lean in on that and in, enjoy it. In the areas of of technology, we're innovating so rapidly. I, I quip at work all the time that you know I've been doing this for three plus decades. I, I I don't think I've ever seen a rate of change as high as we have today. And it's along so many different vectors. We're seeing incredible innovation on, on the compute layer. We're in, in incredible innovation on the network processing silicon layer, the optical module layer, the networking stacks themselves, the automation software, the applications, the network functions that, that run on the compute to actually build out the network. And, that, and that's just the core networking aspect you know, I haven't even touched all the innovation that is happening on the device side and on the backend applications and, and cloud side. So the first thing I would say is, you know, really dedicate oneself to, uh, to lifelong learning and really embrace that, that journey because it's, it's much more a journey rather than a, a, a destination. The second thing I would say is don't, don't fear failure. Failure is by, you know, how we learn, it's, it's what makes us wise. It, it makes us, you know, builds our intuition. So don't, uh, don't fear failure. Um, and then the third is, you know, when opportunities come, come along, really, really embrace them, really energetically pour yourself into the opportunities that, that come along. And, and soon enough, you'll, you'll, you'll find through those opportunities, things that you really, really love, things that really, really motivate you. And, and, you know, those things become vehicles for your development, for your success and for your evolution to the, to the next level. So they're, they're, the, they're the three things, Manisha, I might say to a young person considering, uh, uh, you know, a technology path. 
Well, Michael, thank you so much. That is excellent advice. And I think it's there are very wise words for all of our students at Purdue University. So I'm going to close on that note with your very gracious, kind remarks to students, to young people who want a career in the future of technology as you've had. Michael, I thank you so much for your time. We've really enjoyed your insights. I think our viewers will benefit greatly from hearing your thoughts about the development of 6G technology. And of course, um, we at the Kroc Institute really appreciate your participation in the 6G Working Group. Thank you again to Michael Beasley from Cisco Systems. Thank you so much, it was my pleasure. This has been Tech Deb Voice, a podcast from the Kroc Institute for Tech Diplomacy at Purdue. Further information on some of the issues discussed in this podcast can be found on our website, techdiplomacy.org.